So imagine what it would have been like that day to make your way through the windy roads and push your way through the people and you're peeking around the corner, the roar of the crowd is deafening, Hosanna, Hosanna. You've heard that a new king is coming into town. But as you're peering around the corner, instead of this noble steed, this majestic thoroughbred, and then as the beast comes into view, instead of this military leader, armor clad, shoulders back, head high, with pride, instead of a king in purple robes, flowing golden crown upon his brow, you see a humble carpenter, homeless man in tattered garments, and instead of riding high upon the back of this royal horse, instead he's about eye level, just sitting on the side looking at people with this deep look of compassion and kindness, talking to people as he rides in. Hi, Simon. How you doing? Hey, Bartholomew. Where's your little sister? This is Jesus. This is Palm Sunday, by the way, church. Around the world... People are celebrating that triumphant entry as Jesus paraded into Jerusalem, but different than many of us believe. As the crowd is waving these palm branches and, and throwing them on the ground for him to come across, I believe that paradigms were being switched and minds were being blown. The Jews were expecting a military leader to come in and crush the back of the oppressive Roman regime, and instead they get this gentle, kind, albeit strong, but loving and humble leader riding in on a donkey. Jesus is so clearly different. Years ago, God will the hold of my heart for talking to people about his goodness and getting outside of my Christian bubble, and so I had this thought, you know, I, I've got a study in groups, I'm kind of a social person, you'll learn that about me, I don't do anything great by myself, and so I, I wanted to get with a group of people, and so I was in this neuroscience class that was way above my head, and I thought, well, I can maybe gather some people, and instead of just hanging out with Christians, like us Christians so often do, maybe I can hang out with people who aren't Christians yet, and so there was a girl sitting next to me. Her name was Sarah. There were two guys in front of me, and I just turned to them right before our first test and said, hey, guys, do you want to study in a study group? And they said yes. And I'm in this study group hanging out with them, and Sarah at the end of the study group, and she has a pretty broken family. She comes from, she's in a pretty hurting place. And so at the end, I said, hey, I would love to give you a Bible. God changed my life. His word is true. Could I give you a gift of a Bible? She goes, oh, sure, why not? So I went to the store, and I thought, okay, she's never read the Bible. What would be the most relatable version? So I got the message. Anyone heard of the message version of the Bible? It's like this real uh, tame, modern uh, translation of the Bible. And, and so I, I hand it to her the next week, and I say, Sarah, we were going to have to study again. The following week, I said, hey, I want to give you this Bible. And, you know, you give someone this big, thick Bible. Well, where do you start? And I said, so I want you to start in the book of John. 
John was Jesus' best friend. That's what I want to be. So I encourage you, just these chapters, the chapter will read you, maybe uh, take you about five minutes to read. I want to encourage you to read three chapters, John 1, 2, and 3, and then we'll talk about it. And I'm thinking, ha, I have set a trap for her. Like John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was made without Him. And I'm thinking she's going to be caught off guard by the beauty and power of the transcendent God. And then I'm going to take her into John 3 and just sneak attack, right? What must I do to be saved? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save it through him. And I'm thinking, she's a goner if she reads these three chapters. There's no hope for her to stay apart from God. It's going to get her. It's going to be a hook. It's going to bring her in. So I am so excited for our next time we're going to sit down. And we go through our study group. We come to the end. And here's my time to ask her, Sarah, did you read the Bible that I gave you? She goes, yes. Oh, also my little heart, pitter-patter, pitter-patter. I'm getting all excited. So I ask her, so what did you learn? And I'm thinking she's going to say, like, Jesus is God. And what must I do, Robert, to be saved? You know, I mean, I, these are the things I'm expecting. And she looks at me and she goes, yeah, I totally read it. And I never saw this. Jesus partied with his mother. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no. Jesus went, like, no, no. Mother read first, so did one, two, and three. She's like, yeah, I can't believe it. he like went to this wedding and, and he was there with his mom and his like his homeboys. I'm like, no, like, but but I, I, I finally thought, well, uh, okay, um, well, yeah, and Sarah, we actually have kind of a park, you know, every week group, life groups, we talk about the Bible, and uh, well, sure. So she ends up coming. And, and, and she has food, and she's meeting friends, and everyone's treating her so lovingly. And at the end, we talk about Jesus. She gets together with one of our leaders, and our leader tells her about Jesus, and she gives her life to Jesus at the end of Life Group. And I had this thought, Jesus, you've done it again. Jesus, you did it again. You, you jumped into someone's reality that was far away from you, but everyone knows about parties, and everyone likes parties, and so you just revealed yourself as the one who likes to go to parties, and Sarah got you. You know, just, he's saying, so different. He's so different than many of us as Christians. I want to read to you a verse today that just turned my view of of him upside down. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 15, the gospel of Luke chapter 15, I, I want to look at this profound verse. I bet you've seen it before, and, and maybe you've just sped right over it. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to give you one as a free gift. This book will change your life. Verse 1 of chapter 15 says this, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Okay, let me just let that sink in for a second. To hear Jesus. So let me just ask you a question. When's the last time you saw a Christian that a bunch of sinners were just gathered around, hanging on their every word? Wait, why are you laughing? Like, some of you were laughing. Like, 
That, that, that might not be our normal thought. Usually when I say Christian, the first word a group has is, you know, like hypocrites or kind of stuffy. Or I don't know about you, but I didn't want, this is it's embarrassing to admit, I'm a pastor, I know. I didn't want to get too Christian growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't want to be too Christian because then I didn't think I'd be invited anywhere. Oh, don't invite him. He's a little too Christian, right? No, I didn't want to get too pagan, too lost. You know, I had seen Nancy Reagan's This Is Your Brain, This Is Your Brain on Drugs. She, they put an egg on a frying pan. and So I knew you got a little too crazy. You'd fry your brain like an egg on a frying pan. You know, I, I didn't want to get too far out of it, but I didn't want to be too Christian. Because I thought, if you're too Christian, you can't relate to the world. But here... In Luke 15, is the most Christian person who ever lived. Like, you can't get more Christian-y than Jesus. You, you can't get more Christian-y than the Christ, right? And yet it says all the tax collectors, you got to understand, the tax collectors, they were bad dudes. They were people that were not respected. They were swindlers. They were carousers. They were, they were swindling money from people. And it says all of them, plus all the sinners, all the people in all kinds of sin, they're gathered around the most godly human. We have, I can't relate to anyone. No, here's the most holy. He is holy. His name is holy, holy, holy. And all the sinners are gathered around to hear what he has to say. And so if we're singing this song, right, that I just want, to, oh, to be like you, oh, to be like you, then, then we're saying, I want to be like Jesus. And so one of the things is, yeah, we, we want to be pure and holy and set apart. And in the second sense, we're going to have sinners gathered around us. They're going to be flocking to us, standing on their tiptoes waiting to hear what we have to say. Now, what did Jesus have to say in this chapter? I love this chapter. Luke 15 says this. It says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know, he's this man welcomes sinners. They're muttering. I want to tell you, when you get serious about welcoming sinners, religious people are going to mutter about it. Oh, what are you doing? So Jesus was dealing with this, but Jesus is going to tell a story now to paint the picture of God's heart, of God's Father's heart. And, and this is my desire for you today. My desire for you is to catch part of God's heart. We're moving towards Easter, men and women, and there'll never be a time, I, I, there'll never be a time in this city where more people are gathered into church this year than on Easter Sunday. For some reason in our culture, people are still open to going to church on Easter, and so we want God's heart for those who don't know him yet. And so he's going to tell the story about the lost. And what does lost mean? It just means that right now they haven't been found by God, but God wants to find them. And it's going to, he's going to unpack his heart. So we're going to start in this story in uh, verse uh, 3. It says, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose, well, let, let, let me do it this way. Let, let's, let's do something a little different. Let's bring this to life a little differently. These people have no idea I'm going to do this, but I actually going to call some people out of the audience to help me act this out. Jackie Fromang. <laughs> you should have made eye contact. Can, we, can you come up real fast? Can you give Jackie Fromang a hand? They, you've, you've, always, you've always got to be on your toes 
in this church because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, I just saw. Um, ben Payne. Ben, can you come on? And uh, you know what? Oh, look, look, Faith, you're like, ha, ha, Dad, you got called up. So did you. Hey, come on, Faith. <laughs> okay. No, 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 come on up, come on up. Ben, Ben, up, up here. Oh, actually, Faith, you can stay down here. Faith, just come right here, okay? Ben, come on up. Guys, you thankful for these guys? Okay. And, um, all right, Jackie, if you can come here. So you got to give these guys like a huge round of applause because they had no idea this was about to happen. Jackie, come here. I, you are going to be the narrator, okay? And you're going to read this story. You don't have your glasses. Run those. Two, he just said they're 2.0s. I have no idea what that means. All right. So you're going to read this story. And if you could do it like in a, maybe a British accent or something. Oh, no. Or just any kind of accent. Okay, so you're going to read the story, and, and, and um, okay, Ben, you right here, you are the main character, okay? Nice. So you're the shepherd, okay? Can you look shepherd-like for me? Okay, go ahead. Suppose one of you. A little more dramatic, please. Suppose. Oh, I like it. Okay. Okay, go ahead. That one of you has 100 sheep. Okay, wait a second. Hey, can I get the whole youth group? Right up here, real fast, real fast, youth group. Okay, youth group, 100 sheep right here. Okay, so you have 100 sheep. So let me see you looking very shepherdly over them. Big heart of shepherd. Okay, go ahead. And loses one of them. And wait, and what? He loses one of them. Okay, can you run off like to the back real quick? Faith, run. Okay. You lost a sheep. Hello. Hello. Okay. Hey, Faith, could you get on, down on all fours for me? I'm so sorry, but do, do you mind? I know. You got this, girl. There. And a little, a little distressed by Faith. You were so sweet. You were so sweet. Okay, go ahead. Uh, a little bang. There we go. That's good. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until he finds it. Mike's not going to miss out. Um, a little more dramatic, Ben. Like, oh my goodness, where are you at? <laughs> and when he finds it. When he, he found it. He is joyful. He's joyful. Yeah. He puts it on his shoulders. Okay, one, one more time. What did he you say? He puts it on his shoulders. Oh, he puts it on his shoulders. <laughs> and goes home. Wait, 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 wait. That's not quite on your shoulders. Nice, nice. This is church, guys. Faith, you're awesome. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. Hey, hey turn around. Hey, rejoice with me. I found her. <laughs> you that the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Let's give these guys a hand. Thank you. Thank you. I owe you big time. Faith, you're awesome. I, you got to think about it this way for a second. The, the Pharisees were these religious guys that thought they were the stuff in Israel. And so when Jesus is telling the story, and there are a bunch of Pharisees gathered around him thinking, like, who are you? And he starts saying, 
Jesus is more excited about the lost sheep. The Father, God in heaven, he's more excited about the lost sheep than over the 99 righteous ones. I mean, this was mind-blowing to them because they thought they were it. And he's saying, no, Father God, he is the hound dog of heaven. He is hunting down those that are lost. And when he finds them, he, he, he doesn't do what you think, Pharisees. You think he wants to give them just a backhand. Like, why did you leave? Uh, let, let me just illustrate this with a story. 14 years ago when, when Stephanie and I got married, we were coming towards our first Christmas. We'd been married for about half a year. And I found out, she told me that she wanted a dog. And I'm like thinking, oh, cute, a little dog. And then she said, I want a bulldog. An English bulldog. I'm like, okay, kind of weird. Like, they look kind of genetically messed up. But, you know, um, okay. You know, I'm thinking a bulldog. I remember watching cartoons as a kid. Bulldogs were kind of the junkyard dog. You know, and so I thought, okay, I'll go to the pound and get a bulldog. I start calling around. They're like, you're not going to find a bulldog at a pound. I look, a bulldog was over a thousand bucks. I'm like, you're paying a thousand bucks for that? Like, you know, totally messed up. You know, they breathe. They can't breathe. They're always passing gas. And anyway, so I start hunting every way, everywhere for a bulldog, and, and, and I go in with her parents, my parents, and we find a bulldog on sale for 700 bucks. I'm like, 700 bucks? But she was my bride. We all went in. We get this bulldog. I don't tell her. And so it's Christmas Eve, you know, playing the Christmas romantic music, just me and my bride. All of a sudden, the doorbell rings. Ding dong. I'm like, oh, who could that be? Steph, why don't you go get the door? She's like, oh, that's kind of weird. Brave husband you are. So she walks to the door, opens it up, and there's this cute little fat baby bulldog with a big red bow, you know, sitting, looking at her. She's like, oh, you just got me a bulldog, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm the man, you know. I'm, I'm thinking, this is awesome. We named it Max. It was a girl named Max. We'd already picked out the name first, so, so. We, we had this little white bulldog named Max that we loved. And I fell in love with Max. I'm kind of a softie for animals. And so I fell in love with Max. Well, a couple months later, we, we didn't have a fence around our property. And so Max stayed inside and we'd let Max out to do her business. Well, one time I let Max out to do her business. And Steph calls me in. The phone had rung. We weren't using cell phones. And so I, I run in. I go back out. And Max is lost. Like, no Max. And so I'm, I'm running around the yard real quick. No, no Max. I go in. There's a little green belt. I go into the green belt. No Max. Next thing you know, it's like straight out of a movie. I am running down the streets. Max! Max! Like Rocky with Adrian. Adrian! <coughs> running, running down the street. Stephanie's looking around. No Max. I mean, we go five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. And so I start driving around looking for Max. And I finally get to this one spot, and there's a big dumpster, and I see this white little bottom sticking out behind this dog's bottom. I see this white little dog's bottom sticking out. This is church, for crying out loud, guys. And I go around the corner, and I go, and I'm like, oh, it's Max. I run up, and I see the dog, and I'm like, Max, you ran away. Ah! I wouldn't ever do that, right? I'd never kick Max for running away. I, I instead I go and I swoop up Max. I'm like, <clears throat> and, and I take Max back to the house. And I'm Steph. I found Max. She's all excited, and I put Max down on the ground. And for the rest of the day, Max just stayed right by my side, just following me everywhere I went. It was like Max could sense my joy and relief 
to a founder. You know, this is God's heart. We, we so often see someone who's lost, who's far from God, and maybe they're a huge party, or, or, or maybe they're a, a, a promiscuous woman, or maybe they're an addict. And so often we as Christians, as believers, we judge them. Oh, man, they are so far from God. They just, your lifestyle disgusts me. That's, that's our, if you could really open up our mind, look into our heart, that's what you'd see. And instead, Jesus was painting the picture of the Father to all these righteous people. Like, Father's not just on Sunday mornings in church with all these people. Oh, he loves us. We're his kids, and your worship is pleasing to him. And sweep them up, and when he does, when he finds one, then he calls his friends together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. Rejoice with me. I found my lost child. This is God's heart. Like, do you see God with this ravished heart for the lost? Jesus goes into another story. It says this in verse 8, if you'd follow along. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? There, there's this, this picture he's painting now of Father God, but it's so interesting because he doesn't say there's this king who has 10,000, who has 100,000 coins. He says there's a woman who has 10 coins, and we know that that is a very little. When you study this scripture, when you study this text, you understand that that is not much to have. And why would, why would Jesus say it's kind of like a woman that has 10 silver coins? It's because Jesus is saying, you got to understand that people aren't disposable to God. I don't know if you've ever like sat in Qualcomm Stadium with 60,000 people around and you just feel so small and so insignificant. Maybe you feel that way with 500 people in here this morning. You're just like, I'm just one little person. Woman, Jesus is painting the hearts of these 10 coins. And what we'd know is if it's talking about a woman in a story, she's probably a widow and she just has 10 coins and that's not much to live on and she loses one. And so it doesn't say that she's just going to say, oh, well, I still have nine left. No, what does she do? says she lights a lamp. If you put that text back up there, it says that she actually lights the lamp. And, and, and then she starts sweeping the house. She doesn't say, well, I'll look for it tomorrow. You know, they didn't have light switches that you could just flip on. So she said, I'm not going to go to bed. Instead, I'm going to light my lamp, and I'm going to be searching, and I'm going to sweep this whole house until I'm going to sweep it carefully until I find it. Do you know that that's how God is? He's not like, well, bummer, I lost a few in San Diego. Oh, but I found a few in Tijuana, so that kind of... Everyone. Listen to this. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says this. This is good and pleases God who wants all men to be saved. Do you know that every single person... Now, I want to tell you, there's some teaching in churches that, that God's heart is just for a few. And I want to tell you, that's very far from the truth of what Scripture says. God's heart, for God so loved the world... That he gave his only son. So God, every person you see when you go out to lunch after church, if you go, the person behind the counter, the person who's waiting on you, when you're driving down the road, every person walking on the sidewalk, God's heart is going, people, 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 people. It's beating for them. And he's saying, I will go on. Watch what happens. It says this. It kind of reminds me of the passage before. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me! I found my lost coin! I mean, when's the last time 
that you were sitting watching TV and your hand went down into your couch cushion and you're like, huh, a dime. And you're like, I have got to call Kendall. Kendall, I found a dime in my couch. Hallelujah. See, I mean, you're, <clears throat> that's not that normal. But, the, but Jesus is saying, for God, every single one counts. And so God is like the one who calls and actually brings the friends together and brings the neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. It says, in the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I used to read this as, hey, the angels are throwing a party. Maybe you heard that if you grew up in church. Hey, you just got saved? Oh, there's like a party in heaven. Ding, 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 ding. But the scripture says, actually, there's rejoicing in the presence. It's God himself. And so I, I really see it this way. Anybody seen the movie Mary Poppins? I love Mary Poppins. There's two scenes I love. One is when they, sit, they start singing, I love to laugh. And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And they're floating up to the ceiling. I'm like, that's awesome. I'd like for that to happen to me once. The second part I love is when the chimney sweeps fly up to the top of the roof. And they have their little, their little chimney sweep things. And, and, and they're, they're there. And, and on top of the roof. Grant, can you just come up here for just a second? And, come here, buddy. And, um, yeah, yeah, come up on stage. Um, and, and, and so here, here is the lost Mary Poppins, step in time, step in time, step in time. I, I really, like, we have this, I mean, I, I make this joke, Grant, because it's, we've seen the Sistine Chapel, and so God is like, to, to Adam. And instead, I think God's like, celebrate good time, come. Is that your picture of God? Like, that's what Scripture's saying, that each time he finds something that's lost, he throws a party. Let's give this guy a hand. <clears throat> hey, remind me to stretch out before the next service, before I <laughs> get a little older. Up. <clears throat> chapter to chapter 14 says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed God. Hey, Josiah, come on up here. You were made for this right here. Uh, let's give a hand to Josiah. He's going to be our narrator. And um, Mike Selman, you're going to be my narrator here, so if you'd grab this mic right here. Mike, don't grab this mic. Grab that mic. And uh, You're right. <laughs> okay. So, Mike, you're the main star of this parable right here. You're going to be a rich man giving a great banquet. Sound good? I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Okay, turn and face. you got to face, oh, the, oh, face the audience here. Okay, so let's, uh, let's start here. Okay. So you're reading right here, verse right. 16. Can we get a hand for these guys? They had no idea. Yeah. Okay, so give me some kind of accent. Make it very theatrical. A certain man was preparing a great banquet preparing a and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell them. Oh, we got to have a servant. Kathy, come on up. Perfect. She was filming it. Would you film for? Okay, this is, this is their servant. Okay, yes, okay. Wow, wow. Here, you get to stop right here, Kathy. Just stay right here real lowly. Yeah, down there. Okay. Okay. So he, oh, there we go. Okay, so you do what? Uh, go ahead. Uh, at that time, ready. Say that. Come for everything. Come. Now everything is ready. Am I supposed to, where am I supposed just to do? Just go. I'm going to go oh. that way. Yeah, 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 just inviting people. Oh, okay. come. Go. It's ready. Come. 
This is awesome. Right? It's awesome. Ready. Okay, come, okay. Come, come. Okay, pause, pause. Okay, go ahead. But they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I have well, just bought well, a someone who would have bought a field. Um Julius Cecil. You look like a field owner. Can you stand up right there? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and invite her to the banquet, please. Julia, Julia, you must come to the banquet. It's ready, Julia. Julia, you'll just, love just it. Just tell her you just bought a field. Sorry, I got other things to do. Julia. Bummer. Really? Okay. Bummer. Bummer, Julia. <clears throat> the first said, I have just bought a field. I have go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way. Any oxen owners out there? Anybody have any, like, big livestock out there? You have an alpaca. Go ahead and stand up. It's the closest we're going to get in San Diego. You have an alpaca. You must come to the party. The banquet is ready. I got to share my alpaca. Sorry. She's got to shave her alpacas. Okay. So sorry. Still, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Who wants to get married right now? Zena, she just waved her hand. Go, go, yeah. Zena, 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 you must come to the banquet. The banquet is ready. We're ready for you. Zena, come. You must come. I can't. I'm too busy. Look. You say I just got married. Oh, yeah, I just got married. All the guys. So, guys, that didn't really happen. She is available. She's still available. <laughs> She's awesome. The servant came back and reported, to, reported this to his master. I've invited them all, master. But they cannot come. They are all too busy. Bummer. Then the owner of the house became very angry. What's wrong with you guys? What's and wrong ordered, with these people? And ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Okay. The blind, the crippled, the lame. Come, come, you must come. You are welcome. Come, come. This is good. More, more. You want more? Uriel, come. Okay, sir, that, she did a good job. Let's see what happens. More? More? Uh, okay. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, country lanes, tell them to come. You're not one of those, so that my invited come. will get a taste of my come. banquet. Come, you are invited to the banquet. Great Let's job. Come. Let's give all these people a hand. Great job, Mike. Oh. I have a feeling that we'll only have half of you here next week for church. <laughs> you know, he, he, uh, because I, here, I went to church and, I, and I'm thankful for that experience, but I, I, I saw it more like this. I saw the world as the party. But I saw out celebrating and having fun. And so then what I saw is that here I am as a Christian and I go up to people, cut it out. Stop having so much fun. You're also texting while I'm preaching. <laughs> I'll teach you. I'm just kidding. This is my this is my assistant. He's probably setting me up an appointment right now. <clears throat> I, I, that's how I saw being a Christian is that I went out into the partying world that was having fun, hit him on the head, and say, "Cut it out! Stop having so much fun. Come to church. Sit in my pew with me." You know. Like, Pew. Where did that word come from? And, and so that's what I saw. That's what I thought. And, and so who wants to do that? And so we hear about sharing your faith, and you're like, ooh, who wants to do that? I'm just going to ruin people's fun. No one wants to be the bringer of bad news. 
But did you ever do this? Did you ever go to school as a kid with party invitations? How did you feel? You were like, oh yeah. I got the party invitations. All the kids were like, oh, choose me, choose me, choose me, right? And you were inviting people to a party. And that is what Jesus says that we are. We're the servants just simply passing out. For the kingdom of heaven is not the killjoy. In fact, the kingdom of heaven is actually the banquet. Guys, this is Jesus speaking. Do you believe it? Like Jesus is painting the kingdom as the feast. Jesus is painting the Father as the one who wants to throw parties. you got to get this in your mind or you'll forever be afraid to open your mouth and talk about Jesus. But when you believe that you have something better than the world, then it's easy to start speaking about it. And then you start understanding evangelism is just going out and passing out party invitations. Like, do you believe this, church? Great, yeah, the source is feast of great people that turn you with the wealthy man who wants to lavish on me. I would rather hang out in the field plowing behind my oxen. I'd rather be behind some big oxen bottoms than in your party. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? But that's what some people are going to choose. Now, I'd rather be standing in my field. Hello, it's me in my field by myself, but I'm not at the party, right? I mean, I'd rather do that. Then go to the master's party. God is. That he has a banqueting table. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And we're just to go out and pass out the invitations. And God wants to celebrate people as they come in. And he's saying, don't just go to your friends He goes, I want my house full, so go to the highways and the byways. Go into where the people that are hurting, the ones that everyone's looking over, go to them because I just want them in. I want my house full. I want my house full. Have you started seeing yourself as an invitation passer-outer? I I, uh, was sitting in a life group on Tuesday night, and uh, one one of my friends, she's pretty new to the church, her and her husband, and they were just talking about, wow, I, we grew up in church, but we just thought the priests were going to do all the work. And, you know, all we knew how to do was, like, to do this little bless ourselves thing. And, and now we're getting it that, like, we can actually do something. So she goes, I had this invitation, and I was at Starbucks, and, and this, this mom and her daughter came up to me and asked for directions about state. And then they walked off, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I need to invite them to church. And she's like, my heart's pounding. And... She said she walked up, and she's like, hey, I just wanted to give this to you, and hands this card, and the woman goes, oh, I'm a Jew. (laughs) And she's like, bummer, like my first time. And so she actually goes, I'm sorry, this is my first time to do anything like this. Like she's telling this lady. She's like, I'm I'm just trying, I'm just learning. This is my first time to ever do anything like this. And the lady's like, well, well, okay, well, I'll take your flyer then. And, and, well, okay, well, yeah, we all need God, and, and yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. You know, it, it, it's, it's not about being perfect, guys. It's not about being, having it all down. It's just about people seeing that we care. I remember seeing the first time that we experienced it. Our church was probably 50, 60 people. And someone came up right to, up the stairs. This was when we were meeting at Horseman across the street. And they showed us the invitation. It was a whole family. And they said, hey, 
uh, we got one of these invitations. Can, can we actually come in to your church? We're like, absolutely. And that whole family, two parents, and, and then it set off in motion, one after another, in their family coming to Christ. And just two weeks ago in Mexico, I had the privilege of standing next to this family as they were sharing and leading people to Jesus. You know, what would have happened if someone wouldn't have handed them an invitation? Yeah, I just believe that God has strategically placed you all over this city. Yeah, we think, oh, it's too hard, right? Powerful to do it. Yeah, yeah, let me just teach you how to give one of these. I, I, I just want to tell you, and I'm sure it'll happen at some point, but I've never tried to give one of these flyers out in San Diego and someone not taking it. Ever. It's... It's that easy. It's not about how great you are. It's about how great God is. It's not about how powerful we are. It's how powerful God is. It's not about your strength. It's about in our weakness, he is strong. And so I wonder if you are sitting next to someone in class, high school students. I wonder if you're next to someone in class, college students. I wonder who your next door neighbor is. I wonder who's sitting in the cubicle next to you or working next to you on the line or in your hospital that you're stationed in or in your office building. I just wonder who is looking for something to do on Easter and would come if you handed them an invitation. And they can hear about this God of extravagant love and the way he wants to celebrate them. Let's just do this. If you have one of these flyers, I think they were on your seats, would you just take it in your hand? And... Would you just stand up with us now? You know, Jesus was saying, there's nothing that makes the Father more excited than when someone is lost, comes back to him. Can we just spend a minute, church, praying over these flyers? And can you even ask God, God, who is someone I can hand this out to this week? There's going to be more flyers in the back. There's little business cards that I've been carrying around and, and handing out. This past week, gave one at the little fishing show up in Del Mar this week. Just, can you just put these in your pocket and hand these out and just let your church see what God does with me. Lord Jesus, we're just, we're believing, just start praying under your breath. God, we're believing that you're going to distribute these cars into our schools, into our workplaces, into our neighborhoods. And Lord, we're believing for many people to come to know Jesus. And we're believing for you to fill this this school auditorium with people who need to meet you, God, the ones that are ready, the ones that are hopeless. God, there's people that are hurting this week. There's people that have had relationships that have broken up and their hearts are in pain. There's people whose bodies are racked with pain and sickness and they need something. Lord, there's ones that are emotionally hurting. They're hopeless. They're broken. And they're asking the question, is there something more to life? Lord, there's people that are going to be looking around and we pray that you'd connect us with them this week. In Jesus' name, connect us with the lost, Lord. Connect us with the ones that are broken and in need. We pray that we'd be bold. Now, Lord, we ask for boldness. Would you just place your hand on your heart for a moment, church, to get over ourselves, to be more about his business than our own, to see ourselves as passing out party invitations. God, we want to bring people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to just pray with you 
right now. Jesus died on the cross to forgive your sins. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. And you're saying, Robert, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. I'm not 100% sure that I'd go to heaven when I die. I just want you to pray with me right now to nail that down. You can just pray a simple prayer right after me. You can just say, Jesus. Just say that right after me if you need to know that you're nailing it down, that you're giving him your life. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Every head bowed and all that for the first time. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out, but I do want to just pray a prayer for you right now. So if you're praying that, will you just quickly look up at me and just wave at me and say real quick. It's all over this room. Just see your hand, wave at me. Look up at me. Great. If that's you, I want you to just come and have one of the pastors pray for you. They're going to be on either side of the auditorium. And right now, we're just going to take communion. We're going to come and take the bread and the cup. We're going to do that together. And this is for everyone who claims Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're just giving your life to Jesus, come to the side and pray with one of these pastors. If you need to know more about him, we want to do that. Can I have a few leaders come to the sides for me?